listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. earlier we are finishing up a series called long story short and um i couldn't be more excited uh about the conversation that we're going to have for the next uh, 20 or so minutes uh michelle harding is one of our small group leaders um she doesn't say this uh often but it's really dr uh michelle harding um that's right yeah <laughs> woot woots um michelle uh is a uh, certified licensed uh, got her phd and counseling and uh, but she's going to come and share just a little bit of her story. Um, so again, this idea is that we all have a story. Every single one of us have a story, and it's compelling in its own right. And uh, whether you've lived uh, just 19, 20 years, uh, or in her case, um, just a little over 20 years, wink, wink, um, uh, we all have a story to share. And so tonight, she is, uh, she's willingly said yes. She's not going to come up here and speak kind of like Joey and Chapman, just straight up from a microphone. Um, we're we're going to help her out and just kind of have a, have a conversation. So the answers that she'll provide, are, again, is like how she sees it, how her experience has been personally, So because this is her story. Um, she's earned the right to share. Um, I might ask her a question. She might give a response that's, you know, 20 seconds. Uh, she might get a response that's 15 minutes. Um, but we're, uh, I know we're encouraged to have her uh, with us tonight. So could you please help me welcome to the stage, Michelle Harding, Dr. Michelle Harding. There you go, Michelle. Um, as Michelle gets comfortable, I just need to remind everybody that the, the number on the screen, go ahead and have a seat, Michelle. Uh, we've done this the last couple of weeks, is if you have a question that you hear at any any time, um, as Michelle's sharing about her personal story, uh, you can text in that number and text your question, okay? And then by the power of technology, uh, Kyle will then shoot it to this cellular device on this table. Um, so we'll talk about her story. So if you have questions specific to her story, great. But I will tell you, um, I will ask her to kind of put her counseling hat on uh, at just the very end, and so even if you have some questions that you're like, geez, there's a counselor up there with her microphone, she's been very generous because she just wants to come here and just be Michelle, but she's been very generous to say, hey, yeah, sure, I, I don't mind fielding uh, a few questions if it would help. So, cool? Sound good? All right, Michelle, how are you feeling? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. First of all, Michelle brought her A game. Was <clears throat> she wearing leather pants tonight? Yeah, girl, bring it! Um... <laughs> Stop it. Well done. Well done. Uh, Michelle, um, I know you're going to share a lot of your story, kind of what's more so happened in the past. But just real quick, um, just because there's a lot of people that don't know, um, what's going on in your world now? Married? Got kids? You just going to give us just a, a quick glimpse of what's going on presently? So I am married. I have been married for almost 14 years, so I'm a tad older than 20. Sure, sure. Um, we've been together 19 years, but and we have two little kids. Um, is, yep, there they are. That's Olivia, and she's almost three, and that's my wild man, Dylan. Um, so that's my little world here and coming, and then I have a therapy practice Cornerstone Therapeutic Counseling, which clearly has a spiritual meaning to it. Um, so I do that. And then I am so blessed to have these amazing women who allow me to be part of their world. And um, I get to pour God's truth into them here, the living room. So it's a blessing. 
That's cool. Well, thanks for being willing to share just a glimpse, you know, of your story. Um, why don't we start, like, just uh, formative years, um, kind of growing up. What was Lil Michelle like? <laughs> um, well, just go ahead. So, first, my parents are here, and I cannot thank them oh, yeah? enough. Yeah, they're coming. Where are they at? They drove, like, two hours here. So, oh, I just wanted... Welcome! It, See, even at 38, your parents still are like your greatest fans. So, That's like, right. it's a incredible. Parent, a parent, right? Yeah. And so, I just, growing up with them as parents, like, and I'm not saying that because they're here, but I was so fortunate. And I have a sister who's about three years older than me, and she is my ride or die. Um, and so, we're super close. It was the four of us. And I was raised in church. I think, you know, we were there multiple times a week. When the doors opened, we were there. Um, and then at 11, I gave my life to Christ. So this journey with Christ is not a new experience for me. I feel like it's kind of it's all as long as I can remember. Um, so my parents instilled a strong foundation of faith in, in me. That's awesome. Well, mom and dad, thanks for being here. And uh, we are super grateful for Michelle. You have a fantastic daughter. And I know you already know that. Um, Michelle, uh, when we got to know each other a little bit kind of last year when you started leading, um, anytime I meet a new leader, I kind of try to get to know their stories and stuff. And I was so captivated by your story and your journey because all of that sounds great. Phenomenal parents, great family life leading up to age 11. But then um, things start to happen, happen kind of health-wise. Do you care to, to share with them kind of that journey? So, Yeah. I started off living this like typical, predictable life. Um, and then it just turned into spending time waiting in doctor's offices, figuring out if I was going to live or die. So it's been quite a journey. Um, it started for me when I was in elementary school. My mom told me as a birth, um, when I was born at birth, having um, intestinal problems. And let me just pause for a minute, okay? That's kind of an embarrassing topic to talk about. Intestinal problems? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Been there, done that, got the so, so let's just go ahead and say that out loud. Um, and I said that to my husband. He's like, why? Like, you have never been nervous or embarrassed to talk about it? Like, what is the deal? I'm like, well, I'm in front of like a lot of people, not like one or five. Um, so it started at 11 and... I'm sorry, I was saved at 11. But when I was in elementary school, having the most extreme stomach pain and trying to like verbally articulate that to my parent, right? Like when you're younger and you're like, I don't feel well, you have a fever, they test you for strep throat. They're like, oh yeah, stay at home. We'll give you some medicine, you're good. Um, but I was like, my stomach was hurting so bad. I couldn't sit in class. Luckily my mom worked to the elementary school. So I felt like I was constantly going to see her like, I remember young Michelle, like just being in the fetal position, crying a lot, like not wanting to leave her to go places because of like severe abdominal pain. Um, and that was like younger. And then it took me through like middle and um, high school. And I think as like, I just kind of grew up, my body sort of tried to adjust maybe, we, we don't really know. Um, but I don't recall it being, life altering, like elementary school was a, a struggle. Um, and then where it really began was in 1999. So I'm really dating myself. That was my senior year of high school, by the way. Um, 
And it was to where I was like, it was impacting my daily life. Like I couldn't function normally. I was like um, going to school all day and then competitively dancing for four hours a night. And, um, you know, doing all of the research of like what's going on, trying to figure out why my symptoms were what they were. I was very healthy because I was a competitive dancer. And so um, staying on top of all that, it wasn't working. The pain was so bad. It was unbearable at school. Um, so my mom and I started this journey of doctors. And it, this is where it became so frustrating. And I really think this is where I really started to learn about advocacy and I cannot, tough journey. Um, because I love to advocate for people because that's what my mom did for me because I was 17. And when you sit in a gastroenterologist office, like it's not 17 year olds, like you're sitting with 60 year olds. And so like, here I am and I'm like trying to tell them what's going on. And, and I'm like, um, and they're like, oh, well, you need to work out more. You need to drink more water. You need to eat more fiber. And I like have food charts inside my parents' pantry. I knew every food and what it would do to you. And I'm like, not eating that, not eating that. Um, and so we, we, we took what we were told through doctors and kind of like tried what they would say. And um, then that was my senior year of high school. And throughout my undergrad of college, I, um, it just kind of got progressively worse. And I'm like still managing symptoms as best as possible. And at this point, um, to make the long story short, I am, I just finished my um, undergrad in psychology and criminology, and now I'm in my master's program. So I just finished that and I, um, life stopped. Like the symptoms were awful where I, I could not walk across campus to go to class. I, the pain was so severe. I would spend most of the, lots of time crying. Um, I looked, okay, like, Self-esteem took a huge toll. I looked like if you felt my abs, like my belly was like a seven month pregnant woman because it was so impacted. And I was doing everything. You know, at this point I'm like drinking prescription laxative like three to five times a day, chugging water. I'm like doing everything. And then there's like eek, embarrassing note, rectal bleeding. And I was like, I cannot do this. So that's where my mom, um, we were following doctor's orders. And it was like, I can't function. So, Michelle, can I mm -hmm. um, yeah, let you get a drink. So this is roughly young twenties, 21, 22. Yeah. This part. 22. Okay. So all of this, are you just doing this? Like, do you have roommates? Do you have close friends that you're kind of inviting into this journey that are seeing you? I mean, honestly, at your worst. Yeah, absolutely. So I was in a sorority and so I had my sister, we're in the same sorority too. And she was living in the apartment and some of our sisters. So I had them and then um, to kind of help me through this journey and just to kind of be there for support. And then in the summers, I would go to New York um, and that's where I met my husband who's Canadian. Um, I met him there at a kid's summer camp. So I would spend like three or four months there working with kids. And so I was, trying to manage symptoms there and struggling. Um, and then when we start like having to go to doctor's appointments and that's where my mom did all this research because 
different specialists were not doing, you know, they, could, they just didn't know. I was so young and organs weren't functioning like they were supposed to. And so my mom had done all of this research and found this colon and rectal surgery, surgeon. And um, so we went and saw him. And for like, this is probably when I was 21 at this point. And he spent a year like testing every test. And I'm talking, I'm not even gonna go into detail because I was laughing about it with a friend earlier. She was like, do not share that. But like every test run two and three times to try and figure out what was, how like, were there changes? Like what was going on? Um, And finally, the result was, okay, so your large intestines basically is not functioning. And I was diagnosed with um, clonotic inertia, clonotic inertia. I never can get that front word right. I don't know. But yeah, basically my intestines would just stretch and stretch and stretch. It was not like, it didn't have any muscle elasticity. So he was like, it's got to go. We were like, hold on, she's 22. How can you just yank a major organ out? And my mom, like we were all like, no. And so we did research, saw other doctors, got second, third opinions, and then rested with that decision because other organs were starting to go. So it was really scary. And I was 22 and I was sitting in this place of, oh my word, I'm about to have like a 10 inch scar down the middle of my abs. And I know this is vain, but like, I thought bikini life was over. Right? I mean, you're 22. I'm, I'm dating a guy. I, right? Like, who wants that? And then a possible, you know, the possible, like, colostomy bag. And I was like, is this my world? Like, you know, what does that look like? What the implications for my life? Um, so I, I just was, like, praying through all this. This whole journey is just, like, full of prayer of, like, take us to the right doctors. Tell us what to do because there's so uncertainty and there's so many like risk involved. And so um, the Lord has always given me this like positive, like you stay positive, like don't sit in the negative. So I was like, the shred of positivity is that for like four reasons, four, maybe five reasons, they would remove a large intestines. Um, Mine was the reason I didn't need a colostomy bag. And But it wasn't for, you know, once he went in and and could see, then it was a definite when I woke up, did I have it or not? But he was hopeful going in that that was the case. So I was sitting in that shred of positivity. So we went in and I say we, because, you know, my mom checked into the hospital with me and while we thought it was gonna be like a week stay, which y'all know, like a week stay in a hospital is not, like they don't hold anybody. It was a three-week stay because it was a giant mess. And my mom was, she never left. She's there. Every, I feel like my dad and my sister lived in the hospital room too. I know they didn't. They were in and out a lot because my dad was working. My sister was, you know, had a job too. But my mom, she slept in my room with me. And we went through um, so much of struggle. I was, I was hopeful that, and I knew Christ was with me, but from the moment I woke up begging her, like, tell me when six minutes are up so I can just keep pressing this morphine pump because I was in the worst pain and started puking so bad for days. 
And they um, were giving me medicine, medicine, trying to figure out why. And can you imagine like, y'all have all like had the stomach bug and that's really hard to puke with it, you know, but when you've been cut open and like nine feet of my large intestines was gone and he left me like four inches and I had this massive incision and I'm like vomiting everywhere all over my mom. And this went on for days. Finally, they were so scared that I was gonna rupture the inside and they were gonna have to go back in and redo the connection site. So then they tell me we need to do this NG tube where we're gonna put up your nose and it's gonna go down to your throat and it's gonna just suck everything out so you won't puke. And I'm like, please get, make it stop puking, but put me to sleep. And they're like, no, I'm like, it's a hospital. Yeah. Like, put, you can put me out. Like you can give me more than this morphine pump. And, and I begged and begged and mom was advocating back and they were like, we just gotta do it. We just gotta do it. So we just did it. She cracked my nose doing it. She, the nice nurse. Um, and that happened. And then with this stay of weeks is they want me to walk. Like I have a mat, like it is stitched, stapled a mess. And when I would stand up, I felt like I was standing straight as a board. And my mom and my dad, my sister were like, you got to stand up. And I was like hunched over like this. Cause I felt like if I did, it was going to like rip everything open. So we were like, having to do this like walk around this little like nurse's station. And that walk every day turned into frustration and ended in tears and anger. And I was trying to like hold it together and I had my cheering squad with me and holding bags of urine and morphine pumps and stuff and medicines to not make me throw up. And I'm like shuffling feet, like not walking, like shuffling and I could take like 10 steps and it was like a victory and I get to go back to my bed and just like collapse. So this happened for about two and a half weeks, three weeks is when I got out at the time. But I sat in the hospital bed with all of that. And I thought like, this is the darkest place I've ever been. Like life sucked prior. Like this is awful. Like if this is what life looks like, like, Lord, I'm ready to go. Like, take me home now. Like, this is not good. And I was ready. And I was like, okay. And my mom is like the most amazing, positive woman. And she was like cheering me on, but she let me be sad too. And I needed to be sad and mad. And like, and another thing, like, I'm like, tell me I can't do something and I'm gonna do it. And it was so difficult to lay in that bed for three weeks. And the rumor on the floor was I was a celebrity because like I had 900 like cards. I had so much love from people. And um, I'm like, who's a celebrity? But whatever, that was like the running joke. Oh, but nursing staff, but. Take your time. So. Uh, so. That is a lot. That's more than most will even experience in a lifetime, Michelle. And that was up until you were experiencing that. It was 22, 23. Um, and I mean, understatement, some of the darkest days of your life. Yeah. So I, um, okay. So I just accepted that maybe 
you know, this was what it was going to be like, okay. But I was open to like, okay, I, I'm going to stay positive. And I felt God's love. And, and knowing that going back to what I was saying about like, tell me I can't do something and I'll prove you wrong. Um, and having so many people come to the hospital and me laying in this bed. And I remember like some people visiting me and just kind of looking over me with pity because they, I was a mess. I was a mess physically. I was, a, I mean, I'm this young 22 year old, your age, like laying in the, and I just remember one day just pulling the sheet up over my head and just crying. And I was like, enough. But the Lord t- brought me through that. Like, boom, three weeks. My mom and I were like running from the prison. Like we escaped. I was like, thank you, Jesus. So I was in 2003 and, um, took me months to like get back on my feet. And then I was again in grad school. So um, doing life, trying to like, and I was feeling better. I'm like, yes, good night. Like I was saved. Like I was reborn then. That surgery was like rebirth. Awesome. I was like living my best life. Okay. But I thought, and then um, about 2005, that's when my husband and I got married. And from 2005 till now, um, the, I, I will have this like bleeding issues where the, there will be like a random loss of blood where the, at the connection site. And I dip down really low and I struggle to function and I have to do like weekly iron treatments for about four hours. And this went on for years, for years, every week. Some points, I w- at some points I'd have to do uh, actual blood transfusions. So here's an, uh, a PSA for anyone. If you have ever stopped by those trucks or whatever, I know I see them out in front of Walmart, uh, but blood the, the blood donations, if you have ever done that, you have saved my life. And I cannot thank you enough. Whether you did it for the free t-shirt to get out of class, I don't care. Like you saved me more than once. And this happened multiple times to where now, now at the lovely age of 38, they're hesitant when my blood drops low, like it's gotta get real low before they will transfuse me because I have been transfused so many times. Um, But that, so this is going on. And then, 2006 occurs, and from 2006 to around 2008, I had um, three more abdominal surgeries. This was exhausting. I was back in the same place, struggling physically, newly married. And then it took a toll on my marriage because what dude wants to get married and turn into a home nurse? You know, that poor man. But this is part of my story in that Christ This man that I'm married to, like we have our ups and downs. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'll be the first to admit that. But you know what? Like this man, his his mom had her colon removed. He walked through that with her. He has loved me medically in ways that I could never ask and do. And that is not out of me begging or giving him a list. That is the Lord taking care of me and meeting me where I needed someone. And my mom has said that so many times, like I could not have asked 
for someone to step in as a mom to take care of you medically. So I have seen the Lord at, at work in there. And then in, um, in 2008, so again, we are, I'm like in back with this transfusions, surgery after surgery, and I've hit rock bottom. Like in the hospital in, 20, in uh, 2003, that three week stint was low. Now, now this is the lowest to where I am like depressed. And here I am. I'm, I've already completed master's. I'm a practicing counselor. Like I'm not immune to any of this. I'm tr- doing the same strategies and working on those with that I do with clients. Like I am doing all that. But I was so low that I remember in 2008 falling on the floor in desperation and bawling my eyes out and saying, Lord, like my marriage I felt so guilty for my husband. I was physically so worn out of this fight. Like, I cannot live this way. This is my, my, my stomach, like, was so scarred and opened, oh, closed, open, closed, open, closed. I can't live like this. This can't be the life you want me to live. And I said, I am going to stop asking for you to heal me and I'm gonna ask for acceptance because I know you will either bring me through this or you will bring me home. And that day, y'all, I surrendered and gave this over to him because I could not carry it. I was doing everything in my power, staying positive, praying, like being like all the things like, we do, it's doing them. And in that place of desperation and just surrender, it wasn't like the lights went on. Like, again, I've been a Jesus follower since I was 11, but I started pouring truth into my heart every day of, in this dark place of, of, of medical stuff, of he'll either bring me through it or he'll bring me home by it. There's no other way. And that's where I had, I had to find rest and peace in that. And the more I said that to myself and prayed about it and utilized strategies that I was working with with my therapist, that I then was able to start feeling waves of peace come over me. Calmness would come and, and it really did begin to flourish. And since, and, and since then in 2008, like I refused to live in fear. Like I won't be defined by my medical stuff, but let me tell you, like Christ, he heard me. He met me where I was. He didn't heal me because that was 2008 and 2010. She's about to put up this glorious picture. This is so embarrassing, but this is me. My sister takes, took this picture of me and we laugh about it now. But for three days, I had this awful surgery. This is me for three days in the hospital. My husband's lucky, wasn't he, right? For three days, this was me, that I look like this in the worst pain because again, they had to 10 inches cut open. They cut down the sides of my abs because it, they wouldn't close shut and the connection site was, they weren't sure what was going on. So they had to go back in. They went under the skin, opened up the muscle to suck it, you know, pulled it back in shut, sewed everything up. I woke up, you can take the picture down now. 
I woke up with this like drainage tube. This was another long stay. We had home nurses come in at the house. I was stuck in a recliner for months because I couldn't move to go upstairs. And he didn't, again, like Christ didn't heal me. But this whole time I kept telling myself, you will bring me through this or you'll bring me home by it. Was I miserable? Yeah. But I felt so loved. And there was never this fear of like, what is next? I refuse to live in that fear of when's the next surgery? When's the next blood issue? Like what else is gonna happen? Um, Because if we live in that place of fear, the enemy wins. And the, the verse of 2 Timothy 1-7 is the verse of my life. Like God gave you uh, the spirit of power, love, and sound mind. He did not give you a spirit of fear, you know? And that has been what I live by. And again, that, that glorious picture, that, that recovery was months, six months before I felt like I could function again. That was in 2010, just November, I had a golf ball sized mass removed out of a breast weeks sitting around waiting if it's breast cancer or not. Again, you'll bring me through it or you'll bring me home by it. There, that, that's it. I, wow. I do wanna say the two, um, that with kids, with having kids, it, it's taken a, a spin on that idea and really with, because I, I felt like I've stared death in the face, not knowing and feeling so like broken and ready to die physically, not knowing. So I do have that, it does, it can creep in to where I'm like, am I gonna have an early death? Am I gonna leave my kids early because I've had this ups and downs? But again, I I can't rest in that because if I do, it overtakes me. And it's not that I'm shoveling it down as a therapist, I've explored it all and, what does it look like if I was and all of that, I get it, but I rest in that he, he, he's gonna bring me through it. He's gonna take me home by it. But you know what? That's not my story and I'm not gonna go there. So when I start to think about like, what if this, nope, not my story. When someone else talks about being sick and having their issues, not my story. Love them, support them, but I don't take that on and let that start me spiraling and going down to that dark place. Love it. Sorry, it's a long. You don't need to apologize. It's a long, long. Um, Why don't we stop there? Um, Can we just hear it from Michelle? we, we just have a few minutes for Q&A, which I'll explain in a second, um, but whew, Michelle, you've lived a pretty simple life, um, JK, but what, <laughs> what I love about it is your vulnerability, even with the, from all the way of like, hey, this scar and feeling like, oh, I know this is vain, but it's real, and then what, what will this guy think of me, and, um, but I love how you have walked so closely uh, with Jesus through the ups and downs. It's a testament to me and so many in the room. And also, I, I love that you don't just sweep away the fear that you've, you know, told me multiple times, like, hey, yes, sometimes it's, it's in the rear view and I'm, I'm fine with it. And other times you're like, hey, I'm, I'm tethered to that fear right now mm-hmm. of 
what could next week look like, next month look like, next year look like for my life. But then yeah. slowly you find yourself kind of uh, right back with the truth as you share with us. So um, it's a remarkable story. And I just appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, giving us a glimpse of it. Um, like I explained earlier, uh, some, some questions have already been submitted. And um, I'm just going to ask uh, these that uh, Kyle put on here. And uh, some of these are specific to Michelle's story. Some of these Michelle might be, you know, you might have to put that counseling hat on. But we really honestly just have a few minutes for this. Um, this, this is the first question. Uh, how, how was your dating life through the medical journey? Um, did they know that it was going on or was it hard to date while dealing with it? I mean, you talked a little bit about meeting, you know, uh, your spouse through all that and you, you gave us that, but what about the nitty gritty of, you know, folks that might be dating and things pop up? Like, could you give it a little bit more info into what that was like? Um, <clears throat> not like I met him and then said, Hey, <laughs> Hey, let me tell you about my bowels. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't work real, real, real. Um, no. Um, but we did have to like, at some point, it's just so we've been together for 19 years. Right. So it feels like it's, it was a long time ago, but, um, he knew, like, I just, I remember because he was in Canada, right? So he lives in Canada. We had a long distance relationship for four years from Atlanta to Canada, would go back and forth. Um, and I remember like being there, visiting him. He's in college, like visiting him and sending him to the grocery store to like go get stuff that I need to help me feel right. better. Yeah. Awesome. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and he gladly did it. What loving guy wouldn't good man. good man because I was like struggling, but I, I had to be honest with him, but we were at that place. Like, you know, I, I trusted him. I knew his background with his mom as well. So, cause that had happened prior. So I, I, I had to share with him cause it was such a huge part. Totally. I love that. Um, it made me think of Ellen when Ellen and I started dating, I was 27 and I had some stomach issues, not, not to that degree, but they were pretty significant. But I feel like it was on our first date, second date, that I was like, hey, I'm gassy. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the smell in this car is <laughs> coming from And she one married person. you. That's God, right. that's like, yeah. Ellen, bless you. That's right. Now she's in a house full of boys. Um, you definitely outkicked your coverage there, yeah. buddy. Uh, oh, big time. Uh -huh. Big time. Maybe two more. You mentioned that you practiced some counseling practices while you were in a dark place, um, as well as praying. What were those counseling practices that you practiced, Michelle? Okay, so this is a huge one that is so important, and we don't even realize it. Like, we, and, and I say this, and we'll send this to the, that I, the clients that I work with is if it's meaningful or timely or whatever, but like you talk to yourself the most all day long, you talk to yourself. So we're telling ourselves these random thoughts and we don't even realize it, small little thoughts, especially after we've scrolled social media, like we have all these thoughts and feelings in our head. And I had to be so intentional at that time about what am I telling myself? Because I was so dark and low that I was, 
replaying over and over all these negative thoughts that were all negative, fear, just that was the anchor of it. So how could I feel any different when those are the thoughts I'm telling myself? So once I had this like moment to just let it go and surrender and then was able to really focus on every thought. When I went there, it was like, nope, stop it, pour truth into it. Pour truth, pour truth. I went and just sit in that place of fear, sadness, negativity. Right. Woe me. Yeah, no. Um, hey, well, we're going to talk about one more and uh, because we're a few minutes over. Uh, thank you for being Sorry. patient with us. No, you don't have to apologize at all. Uh, I, I blame the leather pants. Um, <laughs> um, this is important because we, I love this question because it literally starts, y'all keep talking about counseling. Um, which is true because the last couple of weeks we have, and, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tee you up with this in just a second, Michelle. But the reality is even when, when Joey shared some of his story and uh, Chapman as well, um, some things kind of popped up uh, related to mental health. And the reality is that they mentioned things like, well, I, you know, my friends really helped, um, which are great to have great friends. Um, and uh, this medication helped, which medication can also help. Um, but we want to let you know that honestly, uh, and Michelle and I have talked about this many a times, like, hey, you really can't rely um, on a friend who probably has no business uh, diagnosing you with certain things. And so if there are any things that pop up in your world, in your story that you're struggling with, um, that you think, man, um, I feel like I need to go talk to somebody about that, we would highly recommend you talking to a professional not just your BFF, okay? So no disrespect to your BFFs, but as someone who's been to counseling um, a couple of times, um, I would say that there's no way even the smartest friend in my life could have helped me navigate uh, some of the stuff that the counselor did. So just want to put that out there. Um, so uh, several of us in the room um, have been to counseling, and I kind of say it as like, you know, um, like oil changes for cars, Absolutely. like you just, yes. we need tune-ups internally yep. and we shouldn't even feel bad about it. There's just the stigma around it, which I think is unfortunate. But this question is, y'all keep talking about counseling. What actually happens in a counseling <laughs> session and how much does it cost? Which you don't have to answer the cost thing. I can actually answer the cost thing, but what would you say? What, what happens in counseling? Or let me ask you this, Michelle, and just you're probably going to have to give us the movie trailer version. Yeah. If somebody was interested in going to see a counselor, what do you feel like the steps would be? And then give them a 60-second or less version of what they might experience in a typical counseling session. Okay. First thing, um, I would reach out to the care team so that they can help you with your issue and kind of link you in with a Christian therapist um, that's kind of been screened by the staff. That's really helpful whether, because right. we all have like kind of areas of specialty. So then- um, Let me hit pause. Yeah. The care team is a, um, uh, a group of individuals here at Brownsbridge, Brownsbridge? Brownsbridge that's tethered to the living room that anything like this surfaces then if you tell, you know, your small group leader or one of us, then we would, we would again kind of get you in touch with this care team who will then listen to your story and refer you to the, the counselor that they think you would be best suited with. Yep. They'll so. give you a couple options, but at least it's 
a starting place and it's someone who is a Christian. Because here's the thing, I see Jesus followers and then I have clients who aren't. But what I can tell to people who are Jesus followers, like if you go see someone who is, like I can do so much work with the non-Jesus follower. Yeah, we can cognitive, we can do cognitive restructuring and work through deep-seated issues and create a new foundation, yes. But when you're a Jesus follower, that's a game changer. When you incorporate your walk with him into it, it's a completely different level. So that's really important I would start with first. And then um, the second thing would be is what would it be like? Um, really like we are so trained in building a relationship with people that it's really comfortable. Like these are people who have, I mean, unless they're fresh out of the gate, but even if they're fresh out of the gate, they've went through so much training, but it's just somebody who's going to get to know you and understand like your upbringing and where you're at and what brought you to where you are today. And then they're just gonna ask you questions to kind of reflect on things. It is not my job to figure like, to tell you what you should do. Like, I wanna know what your goals are because what I think you should do is not the right thing, but what your goals are and how can we get that? And how can we get you there? Um, But the main thing is just like building a relationship with someone and it's open and honest. And that's the thing is you have your time and your space to share whatever you want, you know? Yes. And you learn so much about yourself. I mean, I have so many clients who are like, I never thought about it. Like I never saw that. I didn't know that. I've learned so much about me. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And I, now I can see where Christ was with me. I see where he is in this dark place. Yeah, I love it. Well, hey, um, we have gone uh, about 10 minutes over. Um, hey, could you do me a favor? And I know that now you know Michelle a little bit more and you know a little bit more about counseling, uh, but, but out of love and appreciation for her, I need to actually help her um, set up a boundary uh, here at the living room because chances are you're like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and um, talk to Michelle every time I come to the living room <laughs> and try to get a free counseling. Uh, it's like, please, please don't do that. Um, however, she is um, extremely kind to, to give you uh, a conversation, uh, but she will be she'll be the first one to tell you, hey, this conversation needs to be cut. Um, we could either continue this, you know, in my office, or actually, you would be more beneficial to go see somebody else. I'll tell you why. But um, I just think we need to just obviously need to respect her boundary as a small group leader because that's why uh, she is here. But can we one more time here for Michelle? Thank Great you. job. Michelle, thank you. Um, Let me pray for us, and then I'll tell you what's next. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you um, that we get to be surrounded by um, friends and loved ones here at the living room. And I know many of us would say it really does feel like a home away from home, a place where we can feel known and a place where we can belong. And I pray, God, that for the men and women in this room who might not feel that or maybe they, they feel like they can't be their um, fullest self, they can't be their honest self because of something that they are wrestling with that's a part of their story. Um, if the next step is going to talk with somebody professionally like a Michelle, um, I pray that um, that, that would happen um, and that you would uh, allow us as smart group leaders and staff um, to help these people we so love. 
uh, navigate um, these crazy um, things that pop up uh, in life from time to time. Um, Father, thank you so much for the stories um, that have been shared, uh, not just Michelle's and not just Chapman's or Joey's, but the, the stories of, of us and our small groups uh, from our leaders and the reality is, God, that you are doing some amazing things in and through um, these human beings uh, that are a part of the liver group. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for all of my friends that will be taking exams and finals coming up. Uh, that you would bring them uh, rest. Um, they might not have a ton uh, of peace along the way, but that they would trust that you will see them through um, from start to finish. We love you. So in your name we pray. Amen.